0: Hello and welcome to this edition of the North by Northwest Jersey podcast. Today I am at Twin Elephant in Chatham, New Jersey, speaking with Cindy, the co-owner about the craft beer industry and all the cool things that come uh, with being in that industry itself. So thank you for uh, letting me come here and enjoy your fantastic beer and your fantastic space. Um, to get started, can you give us a little bit of a background on how you got started in the craft beer industry?
1: Yeah, sure. Thanks for having me on. Um, so this started a long time ago, home brewing, uh, my partner, uh, my two partners, my husband and, uh, my business partner, Scott and Tim, they, um, were home brewing together for a very long time. And my roommate at the time too was home brewing. So we kind of like came together through craft beer. And um probably brewed for about like nine, ten years. And once the laws changed in New Jersey and like it was easier to open up a brewery with a tap room and stuff like that, we kind of figured to give it a go, you know? <laughs> um
0: So you guys had been home brewing and you yeah, thought to yourself, Okay, yeah. it's time for me to like, you know let's let's give this shot. Now, what were you doing before? um brewing and what 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 was the impetus to make that change was there a specific moment where you said I'm kind of doing something and it's not really what I'm passionate about or was it like uh you know just a a random set of instances that came together
1: well for me personally um I was I was actually um doing engineering I was doing automation and controls and then I was doing uh, marketing for a solder company <laughs> Okay. Um,
0: Not the traditional background for beer necessarily.
1: Yeah, no, but but engineering is always helpful. I feel like in brewing because <laughs> it's you got to like, kind of come up with creative ways to figure out uh, problems. But. Um, there was... I wasn't very passionate. Solder is not a very sexy <laughs> thing. <laughs> uh,
0: no, I mean, you're probably right about that. Yeah. I don't know how many people would say, you know, soldering, that's that's a sexy yeah. uh, way of going about your business.
1: Yeah, so doing marketing for solder and just the business I was in, I was kind of getting a little boring. So I was going to make a change either way. So it was either kind of going to find a job in another marketing engineering kind of thing or... Um, make a huge change and because of the, the, the new laws and stuff and new breweries were opening up and it seemed to be booming a little bit. Um, I kind of, you know, we, we had always joked around like, oh, we should open a brewery. And like then I kind of presented it to them, to Tim and Scott and I was like, if we want to open a brewery, this is the time. Cause I can, I can jump ship and just totally focus on like making a business plan and figuring things out and, and so we all decided to take a jump and do it.
0: That is like the classic, you know, a bunch of people getting together over a beer kind of story and saying like, why don't, why don't we try and do this? Yeah. Um, but did you have a business background? Because like to start a business, to say it over a beer is right. very different than to actually do it in reality. Yeah.
1: So I was lucky. So actually the three of us all come from, um, families that have small businesses Oh okay, was yeah, small so, business. So my my family had um had a business in uh automation controls. So that's what I was doing before. I was doing marketing for this solder company. Oh, yeah. And then um my uh Tim my husband Tim his father owned some um dealerships. Okay. Um and like then, car dealerships? Yeah, like car dealerships and my, our partner Scott his his family's in construction so they had their own construction uh business so in all in different versions of uh, different industries we all had a sense of small business yeah um so and i also have my mba too
0: and oh well so yeah <laughs> i'll just uh, throw that in
1: <laughs> oh um, yeah that you know, small too. <laughs> business but
0: by the way um i actually have a degree in this <laughs> this isn't my first business plan yeah my dissertation was actually with Goldman Sachs, but uh
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, the amount of business plans I had to write in the MBA program I would imagine it, like second nature. Yeah.
0: yeah I've uh, been a part of one business plan uh-huh. and it was one too many for me. So I applaud you for being able to do anything more than that. Yeah. Um, there's so much that goes into it. So didn't now, obviously for you, it was a big change mm-hmm. for, the, um, your husband and your other partner. Um, were they they brewing at that point? Like you guys were homebrewers and was this a big change for them or were they working in their small businesses that their families were uh, a part of?
1: Um, they both had uh, their own jobs. So Scott was working for his family. Um, my husband was working, uh, a separate, different job. He was doing, um, actually like digital marketing as well. And, um, so, but we were, you know, the home brewing was on the side and, sure. um, they kept their day jobs, but I mean, just opening a business and having a day job alone is just, it's a lot. So, they had to like, they did a lot of, you know, time management.
0: <laughs> so, you guys but, were still working your jobs while you were getting this open? Yeah,
1: yeah. Wow. So, while we were planning everything out, we had, uh we still had our day jobs. And then, finally, I was the one that like, ha- I would, I quit my job once we like really got into the the weeds of things like the paperwork and stuff like that. And I took a, a part-time job bartending, actually learning, learning front of house stuff. So it was like something that we, I knew we were going to need anyway.
0: Yeah, of course. <laughs> I mean, cause I mean, you guys operate not just a, the, you know, production of the beer itself, but you run the tap room right. and uh, a large part of what can make a business like this successful is the hospitality aspect. You Absolutely. can make great beer, but if you can't, have a hospitable place where people want to go. It's not necessarily going to go very far. Right. Um, and was that your first time working in a, like, um, in the front of a house of a restaurant or anything like that?
1: It wasn't my first job um, in the service industry, but it was my first job serving alcohol. which is a different like monster. I feel like
0: a hundred percent, you know, obviously there's different training that's involved and different things that you have to be mindful of, like over serving, et cetera, et cetera.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Um, that must've been quite the experience while you're already just, you know, trying to put together everything else.
1: Yeah, it was getting like, I was lucky. I was working at a place that everyone was super, uh supportive uh they knew what i was doing and everything so they're all supportive and like trying to teach me things and management side as well so it really was like one of the best things that i could have done to help with twin elephant
0: yeah absolutely because i i I mean not to harp on it but I, i do think there's a lot of people who are probably really great at making beer or just you know they're great chefs but they don't understand like that there's so much more than just that one aspect of a a restaurant or a brewery or whatever. It's a hospitality, um, thing just as much. Um, you know, obviously there's distribution and there's ways of making money in this business, but like, if you don't have a a tap room that people want to go to, it's, it can be tough. Right. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. You can lose a reputation very easily. Yeah. Um, that's really cool. Now, are you guys all from this area? Like we're in Chatham. Um, is this like location and was this all uh, come about because of opportunity or was it because you guys have an attachment to this area? Are you from this area?
1: We actually, it took us a really long time to find a place. It, we've looked for like probably over two years, I think. Okay. Um, and we are from this area. So initially we were looking, um, we are all from Berkeley Heights. So we we're, which is like two towns away from yep. Chatham we were looking in this area around Berkeley Heights area. Um, that's, we don't currently live there, but that's, you know, we, our roots are there. So, um, and, uh, a lot of the towns were saying no, they didn't understand what a brewery was back then. So they just heard alcohol and you know, they didn't, because I think they didn't understand how it operated. They were a little bit scared. So, um, a lot of towns nearby said, no, we actually were looking all the way out in Frenchtown. We almost started renting a place all the way out there.
0: When you say they were saying no, was this a issue of no, like you had already found a space and then you approached the town? Or were you kind of feeling out towns before you would even go looking for spaces?
1: We were, we were feeling out the towns. And then we were also like, if we found a space, we kind of like just talking to the landlord and stuff. They were like the landlords themselves were uncomfortable. Okay. Um, and we just happened to find this because uh Scott was walking his dog one day nearby and saw a rent sign and just called up and we met with the landlord and he was totally understood how what we were doing. He's a winemaker, so he understand like what brewing was and stuff like that, and loved the idea. And the town was, like, super into it also. So Which, we really lucked out.
0: Uh, yeah, that's tough because, like, um I, I've been looking for a space for a business and it's it's incredibly difficult. You yeah. know, everyone has such specific requirements often and, 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 like, finding that exact thing can be so tough. But then there's other factors, like you were saying, with the towns or maybe the landlords having... So you, you may find the right spot, but there's still a few other, other factors that might um, be involved in it. And then you yeah. add into the fact that, like, New Jersey liquor laws are strange or inconsistent, maybe, is yeah. a better way of putting it. Um, like I mean Bergen County, look at it, like the blue laws and everything like that. Right. Um, yeah. So the town was actually very supportive of you guys.
1: Yeah, the town it was um really good timing because the town was doing a rezoning project right right here where we are. And they wanted to get more like a mix of retail and and like industrial because it was all industrial but they wanted to like start building up retail in this in this section and so we were kind of the perfect mix right and because of that they kind of they loved the our concept the concept of the brewery with a tap room Mm -hmm. and they wanted to usher us in so they made it i mean it's not easy with like all the paperwork and there's always red tape but like they were really good at guiding us and what to do to get through the, like all that stuff.
0: That's awesome because, um, I've talked to other people before and it can be really difficult at times because not only do you need the town, but then there's also can be pressure on, you know, the town from other like businesses, maybe, Oh, I don't want competition. And so I don't want another liquor license being, um, you know, put out or whatever. So to have that support is, can be really crucial, especially when you're starting out. Um, you don't need any extra, you know, things that are going to be difficult for you.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: Um, so from the time that you guys started, it was roughly two years until you guys were opened up.
1: So, uh, it was like two years looking for a place. Oh, two and years looking then, for a
0: place. That's right. I'm sorry.
1: Yeah. And then another year of build out. So sure. we had, we were renting the place for, and it's, it's pretty standard because, um, uh, you have to essentially build out the place before the ABC will come and look at it. <laughs> right. So it's a little bit backwards. So you have to pay rent and stuff like that yeah. before you can even start your business. Yes. And you know, for an extended amount of time.
0: Yeah. You're um, technically spending the money as if you're making money without making money.
1: Right. Exactly. So we had another year. So it took like from essentially the inception of the idea, like we're say, us saying like, okay, let's do this. It was, Pretty much like three years. Wow.
0: Um, Now, when you're opening a brewery, obviously, you guys are home brewers and you have recipes and you're developing things and you're tasting and trying and experimenting. But obviously, when you go into a situation like this, you're doing it on a much larger scale and you said it takes like obviously about a year for the build out alone after you found the space when you're going into a space like this now, do you have like a consultant that kind of advises you on how to scale from like the homebrew or is that, was that a, all right, we're just gonna have to figure this out on our own kind of thing.
1: It was a, we had to figure it out. Oh wow. Yeah. So we started when we opened, we were a two barrel system. So, it so, was, what does a
0: two-barrel system translate to for you know?
1: Two barrels is is like four kegs, basically for like. Half so each barrel, batch
0: yeah. is roughly four kegs. Yeah, a the okay. big
1: like the bigger kegs, right? And um, so, really, really small. Yeah,
0: that's very small.
1: Um Because we were scared of the scale up, so it was essentially a glorified homebrew system, you know. And um even even our our system, we bought. Came to us in pieces. We had to like put it all together and like.
0: Okay, so this was not a like some you hired a contractor and they come in and you know install like we'll take the keg system and it was a I went on Amazon and I bought the parts kind of thing and we're figuring it out as we go.
1: Well, we bought it. We bought we bought it from a a place where they make brew brew systems.
0: Oh no, no, I, I, I joke with Amazon, but I say I mean like in the sense of like you were there is not just like a one size fits all package that you just oh, kind of yeah. get shipped on a pallet and then you can even assemble it was more of like you have to really
1: yeah we had to get like our hands in it and like really understand each piece and like we knew like you know and we even could make our own customizations once we got used to like the the system but we really had to figure it out from from scratch um
0: i would imagine brewing at scale requires so much it's such a different system right
1: yeah so I know like um, Tim and Scott did a lot of research like Scott Scott does a lot of research in general he's the one that formulates the recipes so he you know whatever resource he can get his hands on he just dove into and try to learn from other people. Um, we talked to other breweries before we opened. Well, I was
0: gonna say the homebrew community, I would imagine, is pretty tight knit, yeah. And a lot of them, I think, hope to um start a brewery. So, were there other breweries that you guys were already friends with that had opened up that could help you guys with this process?
1: Um, not that we, we weren't like friends with any, I mean, everyone at that time was pretty still new, but um, you know, we reached out, we knew a friend. We had a friend that worked at Kane and, uh, Kane was like, they were, they were open to giving us some like help and information. Um, and a brick city was open for like a year before we opened. So like we, I, I know we went to them and they, you know, we became friends with them and they, you know, yeah. kind of gave us some advice. Um, but there wasn't too many breweries up up here in this area no
0: you guys are one of the first in this general vicinity yeah. you and a bunch of others all open like pretty close so yeah. I'm sure you guys were all wishing that somebody else has kind of jumped in first almost <laughs> to kind of get the feet wet and be like hey so this is how you do this almost like right. help provide a little guidance yeah um so you open up and what's the initial reaction um do you guys feel confident or are you kind of going in like Oh boy. What oh, we're doing. Were,
1: we were scared. Terrified. Terrified. Before we opened our doors, <clears throat> we didn't know what to expect because we had, we had um, taken like some market research numbers. We like, you know, assuming, you know, this many people per hour in the tap room. And we're like, oh, well, we'll be like 30% of what they like, you know, what a normal tap room is that exists, you know? Okay. And <laughs> we totally underestimated the amount of people that were interested in Well that's a good problem to have yeah that's yeah. the best
0: problem to have actually yeah
1: so the first weekend we ran out of beer like we ended up with i think we started with six and we ended up with only one one style of brown was yeah like okay. left <laughs> and that was the it. ipas were
0: gone hours ago yeah <laughs> Right. the lagers gone brown ipa hmm.
1: Low, yeah. but you
0: can maybe get one. Yeah, maybe but squeeze one out.
1: But no one, like, at that point, no one cared what they were getting. Sure. They were like, we were like, all right, what, Some small, medium, or large, like, it's one, and people were just, they were just drinking.
0: <laughs> so then, I mean, you must feel euphoric just to know that, like, okay, this thing that we spent three years working on, we opened the doors and, and people showed up. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So...
0: After that initial excitement, it must then be like, okay, now how do, we, how do we move forward so that every weekend we're not running out of beer, right? right? Yeah, Is it so, almost immediately like where you start thinking, okay, demand's going to die down or you did it stay consistent enough where you start looking almost like, well, maybe we made a mistake on the size of our systems or how does that work?
1: We We knew that the initial crowd and demand was was high because we had just opened. So it was a lot of friends and family and yes. like locals just ch- checking it out and stuff like that. Um. So, but it, we had, we needed a couple weeks to like get beer back in the tanks and stuff like that. Yeah. Cause
0: beer doesn't get made overnight. Right. You know, you got weeks depending yeah. on the style of beer.
1: Yeah. So mm. we kind of like, you know, put in our heads, all right, let's, let's be prepared, but not have that expectation of it was the first weekend, you know? Yes. Um, and we knew it was going to die down, but not, hopefully it wasn't going to like be dead. Right. But, and, and it did, it stayed, it stayed pretty busy, like, you know, for, for a long time. But- and then, um, just kept getting busier and busier actually. And we had to keep growing more and more.
0: And that means by growing, just adding more systems to the to make more beer.
1: Yeah. So we added like within six months, we had to get more tanks. Um Like a doubling
0: our, of the system, yeah, kind of pretty thing. Pretty
1: much. Yeah. Getting more like fermenters, so we can brew more beers and have like more frequently. Okay. Um, so I think we started with six, or no, we ended up with nine, or or something like that. And then we had it, and then after. A year and a half, maybe we got we just jumped to a bigger system. Not not huge. We jumped to like a five barrel instead of a two. (laughs) Right. But but it's more than double the. But like a complete
0: overhaul of like the whole process instead of just like adding one one one. It was like start over
1: exactly. Yeah. Okay. So bigger tanks, bigger brew system.
0: Everything. So you just make bigger batches. Yeah. Just really be more efficient.
1: Yeah. And now, um, we have even a bigger brew system, and we went, now now we have 20 barrel tanks. When we started with two, and now we have 20 barrels, so...
0: And not, like, the longest amount of time. I yeah. mean, so, that's really impressive. Yeah. It must feel really good, though. Like, every time you yeah. kind of grow a little bit, you gotta feel like, validated at least, minimum. There's gotta be, you know, an ego bump of being like, hey, people like what we do, right?
1: Yeah, it's, I mean, not ego, it's like, We're so like in it, we're just going with the flow in a sense, but it's nice to like see that people are appreciating the product that we're putting out there. Right. We have a space that people seem to like to come to. Love
0: coming here. It's always very (laughs) homey, very relaxing. Um, if you've never been here, it's, you know, it's just a place, always good music playing. The vibe is always like very accommodating, um, I never see anyone not having a good time. Yeah, you know what I mean. You never see anyone. No one gets out of line. It's not like a rowdy, weird no. spot. Um, no,
1: we don't like, and I, I don't think in the beer scene really people get like go to breweries to get like trashed or anything, no, which is always no. a good thing.
0: No, especially in the craft beer scene, I yeah. think like so many people are now. It's almost an, an exact opposite. You know, it, it's almost like the the over analyzation of every single thing. Like, which hop is in this? And yeah. like, you know, they're pulling out like refractometers and checking IBU levels. You yeah. know, and maybe it's like just enjoy the beer too. It's yeah. okay. Exactly. Yeah. Just sip on
1: it. And just yeah. Say that it's good. Yes,
0: there's science involved. But yeah.
1: maybe just enjoy it
0: too. Like it's okay. Um well that's like an amazing like growth pattern that you guys went through. Um now Obviously, you guys are continuing to grow. Um, obviously you have a bigger system, but then you guys are actually adding with the taproom itself. You guys right. have started to add uh, a music element mm-hmm. to that. Yeah. Uh, can you talk about how that came about? Because obviously, um, you've done this with a few of your beers for those who may never have had it. Like you have like True Believer, which mm-hmm. is a beer that gets brewed here pretty f- frequently throughout the year, which is a tie in with the, um, the Bouncing Souls, the yep. New Jersey band. And then there's always a music element, obviously, to so many of the things that you, when you guys are describing the beers or whatever, like, how did that come about? Does that come about from, like, uh, shared love of the New Jersey mu- music scene? Is that how you guys, like, maybe met?
1: Yeah, it's, it's funny because we, we all went to the same high school, but we, we didn't all, like, really hang out with each other. Okay. But the one thing we all did have in common was we were, like, involved in like the New Jersey like punk scene. Okay. In a sense. Like I used to go to shows and I know Tim used to like help put on shows in certain places and Scott used to go to shows as well. So we are we all like the same, you know, music. Go like company Which up. venues
0: were the uh the hangouts?
1: Um the, we have one local in the Providence uh Legion Hall. Okay. We used to go to a lot. Um we actually it's funny, we have um I think our triple IPAs, we've been naming after different venues. Well, you did
0: Binet or Chrome. We did Chrome. Well, sorry, yeah. that's right. It's Chrome. It was Binet for a while. That one made me like legitimately <laughs> like I've kind of completely forgot about that place. I had also been to that venue many times growing up. Yeah. Because um, I'm also a, you know, alumni of the New Jersey punk scene, I guess you could say. Yeah. Um, and so for me, like, I'm still waiting for the Wayne Firehouse release. That will be my favorite one. Um, if it ever exists, just by default. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, like Birch Hill, there's it's so many great. of them. Um, obviously, like, um, Oh, Court Tavern, Court I'm Tavern, sure it was, yeah. would be a legendary name for him. Yeah. But yeah. uh, yeah, Chrome killed me when it's... I saw that because I was like, whoa.
1: We did Melody Bar. Okay, Melody Bar yeah. is another
0: good one. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Obviously, Stone Pony, if you're, you know, yeah, Stone Kane Pony, might yeah. have uh, rights on that already or Carton maybe. <laughs> okay. Um. So you guys, so it was like all like you guys are big music fans and so you wanted to like, you know, had that to like,
1: yeah. So we have like some beers are just like, you know, deep cut, like some of the names are just deep cuts from lyrics that people don't get unless they really know the band exactly or or just names of bands and stuff like that. So, um, you know, some people took notice of what we've been doing with like our beer and like naming the naming conventions and stuff. And guilty. (laughs) And so we actually got the opportunity of like, meeting some people that are still involved in the music scene. And they're, you know, they're like, it would be cool to get some people to play, like, in your tap room. Yeah. We're like, sure, yeah, that'd be great. Absolutely. And, and uh, so we started off with the Matt Pryor. Right. And that was kind of one of my, like, like, oh, my God, this is really happening. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Matt Pryor from the Get Up Kids, for those who may not uh know the name just off the top of their head, Um, yeah. I mean, that's a a massive indie band, Yeah, you know, to have them, to have him play in your tap room must just be incredible.
1: Yeah. yeah, That was like really like a really cool experience. And so many people came out and it was, it, it kind of brought that vibe of togetherness of like this nostalgia and togetherness and everyone was singing at the top of their lungs. And it was like, it was, it was a small space. So it's like
0: when it, when it's happening, it's, it's intimate. It's big, yeah, yeah. It's very intimate. Yeah. That's really cool. And I, I think like, obviously it's very, uh, it makes sense to have those tie-ins because like the music scenes and beer scenes, craft beer in particular, obviously have such a communal kind of vibe. And is that like also part of the appeal for you guys? The fact that you guys can build like even more of a expand upon the community that you have through beer, through the music.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Like, w- it is a community, like, and we, we appreciate that. We, we appreciate the people that are coming together for common interests and stuff and, and respectful of each other and respect each other for those interests and, and other things too. But, um, yeah, it, it also, like, cuts deep to the, like, nostalgia aspect, Of too. course. So, of like, course. I think just, like, that tug of, like, that your, your heartstring of, like... <laughs> yeah.
0: I mean, I got my tickets for the Jeff Rickley show. I'll, yeah. I'll be there. I'm super pumped. Yeah. Um, it's like, wait, I get to go have beers... Like a little bit of a nostalgia. I mean, not that he's a nostalgia act per se, but no, you know, yeah. And that's the thing.
1: A lot of these people are still performing and doing acoustic. Oh, yeah.
0: I mean, he's writing books now. Yeah. He's, he's, he has not stopped. This is not like a, uh, someone who, who's stagnant and just resting completely on their laurels right. either, which yeah. is super
1: cool. Yeah. It's cool. And it's nice to see, like, it's nice to see what, um, those musicians are, are doing. And to be able to share it with a lot of other people, yeah um and in and I think the the fact that this is a small space and it's like a little bit more intimate setting, I think people can feel a little bit more connected to the music as well 100%. and be like you know not in in some way interactive. You well, know, the, I mean, the musician can call out to, like, the crowd and stuff like yeah. that.
0: Guy in hat. You're like, I'm right here. Yeah. Like, you know what <laughs> I mean? It's not a loud, massive venue. Yeah. You know, you are literally right next to the person. Right. Um, and so, for quite a few of these um, musicians that you've had, you know, they don't play the smallest of shows at this point, you know?
1: No, yeah. So,
0: for them, it must be also quite appealing to kind of get back to that roots, especially in... A lot of times you've actually had musicians, like you're doing a series essentially of New Jersey musicians. So for a lot of them, that must be really appealing as well.
1: Yeah. The feedback from the musicians has been cool. It's a, it's a unique show. So they do like it's like small and an interesting space. And the acoustics in here isn't the best, but, um, for the sound, but it's, I think, I think the vibe is what they like, you know? Yeah.
0: I mean, the reality is, like, so many venues that are technically supposed to sound great don't sound great, especially when, like, it's, like, hunk rock doesn't exactly lend itself to those right. spaces because it's just so loud, typically, that, like, you know, something gets lost in the mix or whatever. Yeah. So I think the intimacy of this venue more than makes up for any acoustical thing. And, in fact, I think it actually helps in some ways. Um So I think it's super cool what you're doing. Is there a like dream musician that you would love to have play here in particularly a New Jersey dream oh, musician?
1: I don't know. I don't even know. We we've gotten so many like that. I've already like was like, it keeps getting like better and better essentially. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, I mean, we started, I mean, he's not from Jersey, but starting with Matt Pryor right. was like, Oh yeah. It doesn't
0: have to be New Jersey. Yeah.
1: It was a big get where we were, we were that, starting with uh, that. No that pun was, intended.
0: Like, no big get. Yeah. Get, get. <laughs> <laughs> I see what you did there.
1: Yeah. (laughs) But, um, but yeah, it's been, it's, every show has been so unique and not one has been, I can't say they've been getting better and better. They're all, they've all been like fantastic. Right. Um, if anything, we've just been getting better at putting them on and with the sound and we have like a little stage now and like, you know, it's, we're getting used to putting, shows on essentially yeah i mean
0: being a promoter and and even if it's not like a traditional promoter there is like a that's a different skill set yeah and it's a hospitality one but it's a different one than the hat that you may normally wear right right so i'm sure you're learning as you go along yeah but it's been going super well and all everything to my from my perspective has been fantastic so i really am happy that it exists and that it continues I'm rooting for Ari from Lifetime, maybe. Yeah. Throw that one that'd out be, there. That'd
1: be awesome. That would be a nice yeah. get. Uh, <laughs>
0: no complaints here if that happens, just saying. Uh, um, is there a favorite New Jersey band you have from those old God. days on that that, that scene? Or? Lifetime
1: is up there.
0: Obviously. Yeah. I mean, they're legends, yeah. for sure.
1: I mean, bouncing, there's so many like, Bouncing Souls, obviously. Okay. Well to speak on
0: them, obviously you do the true believer beer. Yeah. Are they involved in that at all? Or is yeah. that just, okay. So then how did yeah. that they come came, about?
1: They came up, uh, um Brian and Pete actually came up. Um, and while we were like during brew day and stuff like that. And like, we, you know, connected and just say they, they wanted to feel us out to see like what we were like.
0: So you had contacted them about doing yeah. like a collaboration.
1: Well, we, co- we contacted, um, Brian, um, Who's the basis? Yep. Um to see the he, guitarist. Yeah. Yep. To see if they want if he would want to do the can artwork, because we know he was a, a he's a really um talented artist and tattoo a tattoo artist. Yep. So we wanted to see if he would be interested in just just lending a hand to the artwork at first. And um then he said, Yeah, and he made the label, came out fantastic. And then we just wanted to see if they wanted to be more involved in the beer itself and yeah. And they were like interested. So they came out to check us out and make sure they're getting involved with the right type of people. Well, sure. You know? I mean, you
0: don't want to put your name on something. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if you're not sure of like, like, you know, I'm yeah. sure, you know, there's many times where they've been asked to do something where they probably had to turn it down where they weren't quite sure if it was a great fit for them.
1: Yeah, exactly. They have to be very specific to like, what they take on the project-wise, yeah, yeah, and uh, and thankfully they they liked what we were doing. So. It's a great
0: beer. Yeah. It's one of my favorites. Thank you. Thanks. Um, it, it also hits that like super perfect spot that I think you guys are really good at, where um so many breweries now want to push the limits, especially with like like everything's a double, everything's a triple. Um, that like seven percent, it's like you can have like one or two, and you're not like gonna be hung over or yeah. anything crazy it's like it's nice it's like balanced it's like and i think that's a big part of what you guys do which i really appreciate when everyone else is kind of pushing extremes you guys like push flavors but without like alcohol levels that have to be absurd or adjuncts that are just wild yeah. so like that one to me i love because it's like that like perfect abv and like Drinkability, but it's still like full body, full flavor, all of like the things that you want without mm-hmm. like any of those negatives that can kind of like be daunting. Cause there's so many times I do actually love like a, like a double and it's like, but I'm like, yeah, it's, it's a uh, Tuesday, 8.9%. Not going to happen for right. me. Like, yeah. n- no way. Yeah. <laughs> <Not> <laughs> i open the fridge and I'm like, literally shut it, like, ooh, yeah. that's scary.
1: Yeah. We like to ride that like six to seven percent, seven percent. Really appreciate that. Yeah. And we we think about like what we like to drink. Essentially, exactly, we're making it like coming up with the beers, uh, and not to say we don't have other stuff too. Like no, like you just guys have actually that double have double IPA. Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. And I'm having a double IPA right now as I <laughs> as I say this, and it's fantastic. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I mean, like I do think that like not only do you guys offer like such a nice wider arra- range of uh, beers, many breweries especially newer, newer breweries that are still figuring it out, have a hard time, like, honing in on, like, what they're good at, maybe what they're not so good at, and, like, kind of finding, like, the right balance. Whereas, like, or consistency across, like, the entire product line. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas, a lot
1: of it is trend, too.
0: Yeah, like, well, that's yeah. what I mean. Like, a lot of people are following this trend where it's like, okay, adjuncts got to make crazy sours, got to make sure I have passion fruit and guava and 8,000 other things in it, or it's got to be triple i p a quad i p a and right. you're like dude, these aren't things that people like it, a one offshore but like it's kinda these aren't drinkable beers in the sense like you can't really how often can you really have something yeah, like that? Those
1: are, there's like shareable beers. Like yeah, you exactly. can't like drink one to yourself. Exactly.
0: It's... That's where you better. And like when it comes in a 16 ounce can, you better have like four friends if it's a quad. Right.
1: Or, <laughs> or just, you know, you know what you're doing that night. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. You better be at home when you open that. Um So I, I really appreciate that because like there are like a bunch of breweries that are seemingly like toning it back down and kind of like finding what that right balance is
1: yeah i think um especially now um we uh, we were just talking about with a couple of people like there's a couple um breweries that just opened and and they're fantastic um they're friends of ours and you know just from the gate like great beers wow which is
0: kind of odd because typically it's like most breweries for the first year or two have a hard time like kind of yeah, and, figuring and, out
1: stuff. And we were saying it's kinda like nowadays though, new breweries have to figure that their their thing out faster and faster. Um like you can't you don't have that give them like we used to say give them a year, you know. Yeah, well
0: I mean like typically when a new brewery opens up, I I don't trust it for that first year. Yeah.
1: Um, but now and now and I think it's because there's so many breweries now, it's seeming like people don't have that patience anymore to give, to give them a year, you know? Right. To, um, it's, and this is just perception, maybe like just from social media and stuff like that. But it's, um, it's like, you kind of have to come out of the gate, like, like running now. <laughs>
0: yeah. I mean, if your beard doesn't look good on social media, you know, yeah. if people are looking like, oh, that's not hazy enough or this, that, the other thing, like. It's already judged before they've even come in right. at it. Do you guys feel pressure to follow trends or to, you know, have a big social media presence?
1: We, we feel a little pressure. Not, I mean, it's, it's a little bit natural. Like it's just marketing in general. Want to keep up with the different channels of marketing that, that we know that our demographics going to look at. Okay. Um, but keeping up with trends, like, we we follow the trends obviously but yeah. we're not going to like make it like our dive all in you know into one thing. Right. Like right now like we uh, we kind of honed in the the hazies but we also like drinking the hazies too so it's kind of a little bit selfish on our part. Yeah. <laughs> but now like now we're all drinking like lagers so now we're drinking we're making more lagers. Well that that
0: does seem to be the trend right now yeah. is uh lagers are Definitely having a bit of a moment um, Mm -hmm. after IPAs being so dominant. And then, like, obviously people pushing the boundaries of what, you know, with the alcohol percentages, doubles dominated for so long. It seems like they're kind of slowing down a little bit. The cold IPA.
1: Cold IPA. Yeah. We've made a couple of those. Yep.
0: That's, that's a thing. Um, do you like where the trends go? Do you, do you, do you see like the trends in beer? as something that's like fun to do like like as almost like it keeps it interesting or do you kind of feel like at times where it's like you know it's almost like a burden because you feel uh the need to to offer something that like maybe you're not passionate about but because it's a popular item just in general like maybe not so much even with customers but because it's like the new thing
1: um i i think we view it as, as, as like fun challenges because, okay. um, I mean, the craft beer world is so way beyond traditional styles now. Oh, yeah. So like any new thing is kind of it's kind of fun to to get into just to see if we can do it. And then it actually will like teach us like different things in our process going along that we might not realize we can do. Or it's, it seems, and we also like the variety too. Sure. So like, um, so it's not like chasing trends. It's almost like challenging ourselves and then also like trying like enjoying it, seeing what, what about this trend do we like too? Right.
0: Okay. So you, you look at it and you say, even if it's something that you may not have traditionally thought yourself, you know, gravitating towards, you look at it as like, okay, what's, where can I find the part of this appealing that I'm? I love beer, so there's something I'm going to find that I like in it.
1: Right? Yeah. Oh, like, that's cool. Uh, like, that's a
0: really nice perspective on it.
1: Yeah. Like, like an example is like when the thick smoothies were oh, like the milkshake. Yeah, the milkshake stuff. Like, yeah. like the three of us didn't. None of us really like really love that style, but we do like the idea of like that thick, you know, kind of like fruity sour kind of you know yeah so we would make our like own version just not like as super super like milkshakey thick right but still had like some body like a lot of body to it mm-hmm. and stuff so we you know we took a little pieces yeah more like a little bit more, more balanced but more to this i want to say even more just more to the style that we wanted to be like right
0: well i mean <laughs> i think that's important as a brewery like being true to yourself because like that should in theory make the best beer that you can make yeah because it's like and I think people gravitate towards that. I mean, I, th- I think there are brewers out there that unfortunately only chase the trends and they're like businesses first and foremost without like that passion. And like, you can kind of tell when that's the case because like the, the quality of the product tends to suffer because it's just like, they're just putting out the beer. Right. W- good or bad.
1: But at the end of the day, we want to make good beer, like um yeah. good beer. Just that's actual like beer. Like we're not, I don't know. Sometimes like we've not to say that we haven't gone off the rails with like some adjuncts and stuff like that. Like we, we've made S'mores which was like one of our popular, most popular beers and the amount of that, like s- additional things like chocolate and yeah. marshmallow and crack crackers. Yes. So we will go down that road too. But it's uh, for us, it's not about chasing the trend. Tracing the trend. It's, you know, playing around with something right. that, that's out there.
0: If a trend comes out, you, you try it and you see if you can learn from something and maybe add it to something without it being a required yeah. thing. Like, oh, this cold IPA didn't work. Like, I don't have to have a cold IPA, maybe. Right. Or maybe I learned something in the technique from it that yeah. I use in a different beer later on.
1: Yeah. That's, that's exactly what we're doing. Like, every time we make a different style of beer, you know, we're using a new type of yeast probably and we learn the characteristics of that yeast or you know, just playing around with different hops I and mean, the hop vendors are coming out with new varietals every year. Right. So, you know, it's it's fun to experiment with those too. Of course. And um
0: Is there a trend that you don't particularly care for? Because the the craft beer um landscape is very trendy in general. Is there something where you're kind of like, yeah, I, I just in general, it doesn't even have to be a beer style, like it just in craft beer
1: for for me personally, just because uh, and this is just completely yeah, sub- like subjective. Um, I'm not a big fan of lactose beers,
0: yeah, me neither,
1: yeah, so like
0: I'm a hazy fan, but I don't need it to have. Like the extra lactose. You yeah. can be very, with oats and all those things, like you don't have to go that level yeah. where it's like a milkshake. milkshake. Yeah,
1: that's, that's, a, yeah, that melt, the milkshake kind of stuff, like turns me off. But it's also like, um, I don't know. I, maybe it's because I just don't like lactose. My, lactose doesn't do well with my body or right, something. Right. Yeah. So, but that's just, that's just personal. Cause I, I know, like my husband, like like, like, like milkshake IPAs and stuff like that.
0: Yeah. No, to each their own. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I may not particularly care for, like, a lot of, like, you know, the stouts and stuff. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean I can't appreciate one every now and then. But it's, like, not something I'm necessarily going to, you know, go out and purchase all the time. Right. And I think that's the beauty of beer. It's, like, there's a thousand different styles. And we're like you were saying there's it's constantly evolving, people are pushing boundaries and we're finding new things and everything like that. Is there a particular trend that you are really excited about right now um or style or just thing in general in the in the industry?
1: I'm finding interest um interesting um actually this like this sour um yeast that we've been messing around with it's it's not um like the traditional like sour yeast that can infect the brew house and stuff, so it's like um safer to use, but it's getting it it's got this good character to it where it's not too overly tart either. Okay. Um so it's it goes well with like fruit, I feel like. Okay. So I, I don't know. It's it's been interesting. I should give you a taste a little uh, when we're done, but it's um <laughs> we just made this sour with it and it's like such an interesting balance. Oh okay. wow. Um it plays well with like, it's this one has hibiscus and raspberry in it. Oh, that sounds lovely. So it's not like, like not overly like puckering or anything.
0: Right. You're not like, it doesn't taste like you have like a, um, what's that, like a, a warhead, one of those. Like yeah. when you leave it, it doesn't leave that like residue kind of yeah. vibe in your throat. Because like as much as like a sour can be delicious. Yeah, there are times where afterwards it can almost like your your throat almost gets like dry.
1: Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
0: Um, very cool. Now, do you guys use like a house yeast, or do you guys typically do commercial yeast for your beers?
1: Um, we do commercial yeast, but um, like we, you know, we repitch and stuff, and so the yeast will evolve a little bit on of its course. own. Yep. And um, we've been blending a little bit of stuff here and there. To see what, what comes out, like what kind of characteristics come out of the different blended yeast. Right. So we're we're really lucky. We're um, like we have 20 barrel fermenters, but we still have some five barrels. So we have you know, we can still make small batches and like mess around with different ingredients and you know, if we need to dump it, we need to dump it. Not the end of the world, but...
0: Well, that was going to be my next question <laughs> because you guys actually you, you have a, a sizable system here mm-hmm. um and like you guys do a really nice like variety like if you show up here if you like a logger, if you like a porter if you like a ipa like y- you have every option and they're all gonna be like fantastic but at the same time there must be stuff that doesn't work out like how like. Is there, like, a particular story or a particular thing where you're like, wow, that just did not work, and you guys were all maybe excited for it, and you had to, like, just dump the whole thing? There's, or?
1: We've had beers that, like, you know, um, things happen in the brew house. Things can get infected. Um, we've we've had beers that weren't infected and technically were, like, co- Correct. good beers. But just personally, like, Tim Scott and I didn't like the taste. Right. And so, if we don't like it personally, we won't serve it. I appreciate that
0: because I do think there's been times where I've had a beer from someplace and I'm like, I don't think that anyone likes this, but they felt pressure to like almost release it. So, you guys will not release something unless you personally stand by it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Okay.
0: Well, that's great to know because, I mean, it's obvious because, like, I've never had one from here that I thought, oh, that wasn't good. But, you yeah. know, I do think there are, especially on some of these bigger places, if something has to get dumped out, that's a lot of beer. It's a lot of beer. Yeah. It's yeah. a lot of money.
1: Yeah. So, that's what we're, like, you know, we're we're lucky in the sense we still get the freedom to... Not have like that heartbreak if we need to dump a beer because like usually it's an experimental beer or something that we what we put in the bigger tanks are like honed in recipes. Right. <clears throat> if something happens to those, that's that hurts a little bit more.
0: <laughs> yeah, like then it's like, wait, what went wrong here? Yeah, this is a tried and true recipe. Yeah, there but, should be no issues.
1: Yeah, but because like a lot of the stuff we do is still experimental and and we like to play around, it's like, well. Things go wrong, wrong in an experiment sometimes. You can't, it's not right. that in the world. Is there a
0: particular one that you guys like think always joke around about like, yeah, that just didn't work?
1: Uh, like, yeah, there was, uh, I don't even remember what it, what it was, but like just recently we had one. Um, it, and technically it wasn't, it wasn't a bad beer. Um, but like it just wasn't to snuff to what we were aiming for really. Okay. Um and we had to we had to dump it. Yeah. It was like I can't think of any example of like one that really just blew our minds.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like I mean it probably doesn't happen often for most brewers, but I do think that as people push these boundaries, there's gotta be some of these, especially the ones that are a little more advantageous, uh but they're like marshmallow, caramel, blah, blah. And you're like, yeah, sometimes that must just not come out right. Yeah. Just by default. Like, right. you don't know what you're doing until the, you do it. And then yeah. you're like, mm, maybe not.
1: <laughs> yeah, sometimes you just have to learn by, like, by, it's trial by fire sometimes. You of know? course.
0: At, at the same time, I'm sure there's times where things come out and you're like, this is unbelievable and that's gotta be so amazing. Yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: So, you know, it's, it's both ways.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, another thing that I wanted to ask you about is you built this amazing brewery. Um, you have great beer, you got, you know, a cool community you're tapping into the music and things like that. Um, we're coming out of a period where, you know, COVID was really hard on industries like this and stuff like that. And now you were saying like, you know, when you first opened up the, the town itself of Chatham was very supportive, but like right now, and you just recently released a beer, um, to address this was, uh, there's a new law in New Jersey that's like affecting all the brewers, not just you guys. Uh, Mm -hmm. can you talk about that and like what your stance maybe is on it and what you'd like to see happen from it?
1: Yeah. So, um, I think you're, you're referring to the special ruling, uh, that came out in 2019. So like, it's pretty much, Right before COVID shut down, um, the New Jersey ABC came out with this special ruling that essentially added more rules and laws that we. It's not tech. It's it's complicated. It's not technically legislation, but it is. in it is. Uh,
0: there's an enforcement element.
1: There is an enforcement element. Yeah. So they. It has to do with different aspects. So, like, we can't coordinate with food trucks or other restaurants Um, because we we're not allowed to serve food, but we're allowed to have people like people can bring food in. So, one thing that would like people used we used to, you know, coordinate with a food truck before the special ruling. Like, you know, other local business, you know, they park in the parking lot. They have they're permitted from the town. They have permission from the landlord. They just filed
0: one today for Denville. I know that game.
1: Yeah. So it's like, <laughs> it's, it's funny because it has nothing really to do with us except for the fact that we're open and they're outside.
0: Right. But, you're like a quasi host. Yeah. But it's,
1: but it's not it's even, a gray area. Yeah. For for us, like we view it, we're like, it's not even our property. They went, to, they're getting the permission from the landlord. Whether and from the town. Yeah. So it's the like town, you are so. just.
0: A possibility of customer overflow that would be like-minded.
1: Exactly. So, but it hurts. It does hurt like something like that. Um, we think it hurts like other local businesses, like some local businesses, other restaurants would like to do like a pop-up. We've had so many people like, can we do like a little pop-up, you know, in your, in your parking lot or something, drive more business to our restaurant or like, you know, or just, um provide some food for for your customers outside, you know, and they could bring it in. So stuff like that is uh it it does stink on, on a couple levels. Um
0: and are, isn't it one of those things where like you now have to go back through the whole like archaic like you have to go through a brewery tour thing or something like this well, again. Is I thought I saw yeah. something like that and it's so like that wasn't that feels like very two thousand one, like when it was like oh my gosh a brewery opened up yeah. and like they had to, you have to yeah. all wink wink and walk around for 20 minutes before they'll like let you have a, it just seemed very aggressive yeah. overall
1: so that one that one wasn't a new rule of the, the tour it was just it's just like being enforced it's enforced
0: yeah. there's no yeah. one relaxed
1: um it was relaxed during like like obviously covid shut down we didn't yeah. have and um we didn't have that and stuff like that but um that is like part of the rule and it it That one, it's, it annoys the customers.
0: Yeah. It Um, is kind of obnoxious. Yeah.
1: And like, so repeat customers are like, can, why do I have to keep doing it? It's a song and a
0: dance. Yeah. You know, you wouldn't walk into a restaurant and they'd be like, you got to go toward the,
1: uh, what do you call it, the kitchen? The kitchen, yeah. To see where where the magic happens. Yeah. Um, (laughs) and also it's for, for smaller breweries too, like, um, uh little dog uh, gretchen little dog is a good example she um she's usually a one person operation so if if she's bartending and some other people come in they have to get a tour she has to stop bartending like leave post essentially to give like a tour to people it's coming in it's truly
0: affecting her business yeah. in a, a very direct way
1: exactly so it it does it takes it's it's labor essentially mm-hmm. for a business to have someone have to be attentive to give a tour.
0: Now, the reasoning behind this enforcement, have they explained it? Or is it sort of not even clear why they're suddenly pushing this again?
1: It's... So... From what I've heard, it's to differentiate the fact that we're a manufacturing license, which does make sense in a way, like, okay, but... There, I feel like there's a better solution to it. Like...
0: <laughs> it's a real mental gymnastics yeah. to, to get from point A to point B there.
1: Right, exactly.
0: Yeah. And well, is there... I guess the the question is, does anyone kind of know where the... Because, like, it went for so long without the disenforcement. Well, yeah. why, why is there this sudden emphasis like where's the pressure coming from um the politicians or the lawmakers to suddenly want to enforce this again
1: um there's definitely pressure from like the liquor license lobbyists um
0: and what do they see is like then i guess my point is like i'm just not understanding and maybe he may not understand this either but like What do they see as like the thing that's being gained from this?
1: They, they're, they're viewing, um, the fact that breweries are able to serve alcohol, um.
0: Which has been a boon for local businesses. It's been a boon
1: for local businesses. And local
0: communities.
1: But they're viewing it as, um, devaluing their liquor licenses. Cause they spend so, they, I mean, it's, what it comes down to, like, is, the liquor license laws in New Jersey are so outdated. They yeah. do need it. They do need a, a, complete a reform. Yeah. Um, the, what the answer is, I have no idea because right. people have, and I get it. People have invested millions of dollars into liquor licenses in different parts of New Jersey.
0: Well, that was uh, what I was kind of um, inferring when you were talking about how the town is really uh, supportive of you. Yeah. Like in the town that I, I live in, I know that like there's, a brew pub and somebody else had mentioned potentially they they serve like pizza at this place Mm -hmm. not even like it's just part of a menu not even as part of like their core business um they serve all sorts of other food as well Mm -hmm. and another place down the street wanted to open a a pizza place, and they like fought it because it was like now like about it. and like so it's like I get that like it can be really tough because like people spend a lot of money yeah. and they get really protective of it. But in the case of this, I mean, a liquor license. I mean, it was granted for you guys essentially, even mm-hmm. if it's in, under technically.
1: Right. I mean, in in the legislation, like you know, when they they changed it, it was in it was written so that. You know, we were allowed to have tap a tap room where people can purchase on, uh, pot, like beer to uh, drink on premise. It's not like a new thing. It, no, it was in 2012 right. when it happened. Yeah, <laughs> but but no one, you know, that was the time to make the stink then. Right. Um. I think now that like so many breweries are opening and now people, it's it's becoming more common having a brewery in like your town. I think, um, some businesses do feel a little threatened in a sense. I
0: do think it's always, not always, I shouldn't say that because that's, uh, that's too much of a blanket statement. But, uh, I find it peculiar, maybe is the right word, that, uh, so often the most capitalist of, uh, people really don't love it when, like, capitalism is played out in its, like, most natural form. Right. Yeah. I'm capitalist until there's competition and I'm not capitalist at all. Exactly. Can I shut the door right behind me? (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: (laughs) And this sounds like that's kind of what's happening here a little bit.
1: A little bit. And, um, it's, it's just, it's part education too. Like a lot of the breweries, they don't, if they wanted to open up a bar they would have opened up a bar it's the same investment in a sense instead of investing the million dollars million dollar license we spent a million dollars in equipment right you know so it's like and then we have all the uh, other overhead on top of that so Mm -hmm. it's it it, we yeah i think people are looking at the wrong way that are you know a little scared of breweries they're we don't wanna be a restaurant. We don't wanna be a sports bar. Right. You know. Yeah, they're serving totally different markets. Right. Exactly.
0: Um, you don't have alcohol or liquor. Right. We don't um, have, we
1: don't have liquor, we don't
0: you don't have food. We don't have food. Um like if I want those things in theory, I would be a proprietor of one of those things and right. you know. Oh yeah. Yeah. But um, even
1: uh e- even like the in the sense of case studies of like breweries in other states. Like in New York and Pennsylvania, they're they're required to serve food.
0: Right. And then they play the the game of like here's your bag of chips right. with your thing. And yeah. it's all like another like kinda like song and dance.
1: Right. But it's like just that that law or that rule of being able to serve food in your tap room isn't a make or break for you know, it shouldn't be the make or break Yeah <laughs> for
0: A brewery or a restaurant. And and this is where I always get frustrated with this. I'm like, if you're a good business and people like you, you'll be successful. Right. You shouldn't have to legislate your success. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Like, you, but I mean, that's just my personal opinion. Obviously, like there's legislation that's required because like, obviously you have to have that. But yeah, like those who look to legislation as a way of like kind of gaming the system or making it advantageous for right. themselves or,
1: or like gatekeeping from gatekeeping. other people. Right. That's maybe
0: the best word for yeah. it. Exactly. Once I have mine, like everyone else out. Right. Yep.
1: Yeah. And um, some people like, it's, it's weird. Some people view it, um, like just views using legislation or like using like, you know, follow the rules as that. And some don't. Like, I was actually shocked to find out, like, that some of the um, restaurant hobbyists actually support, you know, breweries, sir, like, off, like, working with them, you know?
0: I, I mean, I, I would actually think it would be helpful. Right. Because, like, for example, for you guys, that person might order, ta- like, delivery or takeout right, exactly. while they're here. Because, like, hey, I had a couple of beers. I want something to eat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not going to go home necessarily and cook it. I'm already out. I'm having a good time. I'm with some people. Mm-hmm. It probably is a decent amount of overlap of like ordering that happens for them, and it's helpful for their business.
1: Yeah, absolutely. We like just to, like us alone. I know, like when it comes to dinner time, we our bartenders like give recommendations to all like the rest like local restaurants and yeah. stuff. There's a bar restaurant across the street. They love us because. We send all our people over there when they get hungry. I've
0: been in a million breweries that they have like an actual binder. Here's your takeout menus. Go to town.
1: At one point, we weren't allowed to do that.
0: Really? Yeah. Wait, wait. (laughs) what? We
1: weren't even allowed to have menus from other restaurants in the tap rooms. I mean, that changed. But at one point, that was a thing.
0: That's wild. (laughs) Yeah. That's just crazy. Yeah. Oh, man. Everyone has a phone. Like, let's not pretend like this isn't going to happen. Exactly. So where do you want to see the laws go? Like, what would you like to see change? Because obviously you guys are pretty passionate about it and you like, you know, you brew the beer. That's like a collaboration. And the whole New Jersey brewery community seems to be very um, coalesced around changing these things. Where would you like to see it all wind up?
1: Um, Definitely resetting those special rulings. It was kind of like an unnecessary um, addition to what was already existing. It just specified more like weird things. Like you can't have a TV over a certain size or something like that.
0: Is that. That has to be a sports bar, like lobbyist. Right. Well,
1: which was like, <laughs> where did that arbitrary number come from? You know, like, right. like why, why, if I could have like a, Six, I can't have a 62 inch, but I can have a 57 inch. You if you know like, what the
0: average sports bar television size is and then maybe like, that's the amount you can right. have.
1: Or like, why are we only allowed to have 25 events? You know, that's one another one where like, like our live music stuff, te- we're only allowed to have 25 in a year. And where the, like, where did that number come from?
0: Right. Who decides <laughs> why, this? Yeah. Who
1: decided like 25? That's it. That seems excessive over Twice twenty five, yeah.
0: No more. Yeah. We'll let you have Christmas Day too. So twenty five.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Two plus one. Okay.
1: But so like stuff like that, like that cap, I know affects a lot of like breweries because it. A lot of breweries are community based, and they have events for for people in their community, like fundraisers and um stuff for you know, like like anniversaries and bringing like and holidays and stuff like that and they even just you know simple trivia nights yeah and stuff like that that bring people together those are all considered events
0: right i mean mental health studies show that communities that have a bigger more social sense of community um and and people in general just individuals that are more communal and more social are healthier communities. So why would we want to discourage that? Right. It just doesn't make a lot of sense just based on like science and medical professionals. So yeah. Yeah. To then put numbers and limits on it seems very counterproductive.
1: Yeah, exactly. So like there's things like that in the special ruling that it's like, it's, it's a overreach of like control in, in in a sense where we're like,
0: but also seems counterproductive.
1: It's, it's, aside it from is, like yeah. the
0: community aspect, you yeah. are essentially limiting your businesses. They are limiting your businesses' ability to be a business.
1: Right. Um, a lot of the, a lot of the business, a lot of the breweries, they do get, you know, they get extra revenue when they do. Which have, is tax
0: dollars and yeah. it all works its way back.
1: Yeah. Like, like, it's not a make it's not a make or break for a brewery, but it's you know having extra revenue from on a slow like Tuesday night because they have trivia is huge,
0: well, yeah, especially with the fact that like there's a million breweries now, right, like so you you do have to you know build that sense of community and right. promote it, yeah so if if things went back to say like the two thousand nineteen era prior to all these rules, would that be significant enough for you? Or would you want it to go further than that?
1: Um, I think that, I mean, there's definitely other things that are in legislation that, like, needed to be changed that I know that, like, our our guild has been working with um, the ABC on before, like, the the special ruling. And now the special ruling has become, like, the main focus because everyone seems to be up, up and up, and rightfully so. A lot of um, businesses are up in arms about it. Um, so that's become like a focus and actually there's a, there's one brewery that's actually has a lawsuit out against the ABC for the special ruling. Um, and I think because of that, the ABC just put out a statement the other day saying that they haven't been enforcing the special rulings, which is not true. They, they say it wasn't an enforceable thing. It was just Guidance. guidance and uh which is not that
0: <laughs> kind of that's kind of an interesting like uh argument to me like hey we made this law but when someone called them out on the law they're like oh no but we don't like follow the, o- the law right. that we are supposed to be in so then are you inv- like they're in violation of their own law
1: <laughs> it's, it's like they're just backpedaling. Yeah, like, like they're, they're saying, they're like, like oh, that's just like
0: such doublespeak right. that you're like, what are you saying?
1: We were just giving this as guidance, but specifically saying, like, you can't have more than 25 events.
0: So, are they <laughs> wink winking us? Yeah. Basically? Yeah, okay. so,
1: right. So, this just happened. So, that's like very current. We're like, well, now what? If they're saying that as guidance, right. it's like, are we allowed to do whatever, whatever now? <laughs> right. Yeah. I
0: mean, it, it sounds like no one really knows what's right. happening. And, I, and that's would that the, be the biggest part of the thing for you. Would, would it would almost be like having
1: clarity. Yeah. Having clarity is, is huge because, and there's people that work at the ABC that, and they're, they're just doing their jobs and they're just doing what,
0: I would imagine 90% of the enforcers yeah. are literally just, they're just the doing what they're there.
1: Yeah. They're just doing what they're, told, you know, needs to be done. And lot a lot of the confusion and um frustration is these these people aren't all being told the same thing. So if we're if we want to do our due diligence and call the ABC ahead of time and say, hey, is this okay if we if we do this, one person might say yes and another person might say no.
0: Yeah. That makes it tough because then you just never really know which side of the line to be on. Right.
1: And then, and it's purely just because someone else in that, in their, you know, organization had told that one person yes. And told that other person no. Right. So it's just like,
0: yeah. And like nothing can thrive if it's like in that uncertainty.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So clarity is definitely would be like a huge step in the right direction. Hmm. But, um, and just, you know, the the caps and limits, the unnecessary number numbers of things, it's...
0: Yeah, it's either got to be a yes or a no yeah. at that point. Because, like, how do you, you... These numbers are so obviously just out of thin air. Right, right. So it's like, either say I can do this or I can't. Right. You know what I mean? Like, that limit, that doesn't... There's just no logic behind it. It's strictly just grasping at something. right? Um, One other thing I did want to ask you about is being that you are a a female in a very, very male-dominated industry, um, obviously, Me Too swept through the um, many industries and in craft brewing, particularly... um, you know, a little over a year, year and a half ago, it it really kind of took off with notch brewing in Massachusetts, kind mm-hmm. of started the whole thing on Instagram with, uh, you know, a couple of their stories, modern times had, you know, some people step down and everything like that. Being a female in a very largely white male industry, do you feel like, I mean, obviously you guys have built a really great community here, but do you feel that there's been any type of like issues that you've had because of being a female in this, or do you feel included, or is that something that you'd like to see improved upon? Yeah.
1: So I always say that I'm relatively lucky being in New Jersey because people are so progressive in that sense of like, I mean, there's sexism for sure, of course, but our peers are of because the industry's so new, our peers are relatively young and are in that generation of, like, understanding sexism in in that sense.
0: Right. They're Um, not, um, head over, uh, like, pull the rug over their eyes and like, what?
1: Yeah. But, but that's, that's here and that's my situation. But I've definitely have had stuff happen to my, to me myself, um, we still get people that come in the tap room and won't we'll talk to our female employees because they'd rather talk to the males because they don't think they understand what, you know, they're not familiar with beer or something like that. That's, <laughs> or, wow. you know, I've had people ask if I can even lift a keg because,
0: you know, like. I can't lift a keg. <laughs> we, we, we're supposed to be able to lift kegs.
1: Well, I mean, like, yeah, but it's just like. I think the person asked no, if I could lift I a joke. keg. I was yeah. like, i would be in the wrong industry if I can't lift a keg. Yeah. Like,
0: oh, well, I'm in the wrong. I'm clearly in the right <laughs> industry because I'm not working in beer because so I can't do that.
1: <laughs> but I don't know, like, like silly, silly. It seems silly, but no, that's not it's, silly because not like that, silly, that yeah. is
0: that's rooted in deep sexism. Right. Straight exactly. Up. There's no denying that.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and that's not Right. It right. shouldn't exist. And um, I have
1: been to events where like even, you know, peers from other like states and stuff have gone over the line of like appropriateness and stuff like that. And it's like it's it's wild still. Like So but in your
0: experience, I guess, you're what you're saying is that because of the climate that exists right here in the community that you guys have built your experience is more akin to just the "Quote unquote average experience, not like a industry specifically like because it's so overwhelmingly male. It's kind yeah. of just like just general sexism. Not
1: is it's, that making it's, sense? It's general sexism, but because it is over, oh, it is a male excuse me dominated industry. There's a lot of males that are sexist, you know, right, right. and um. And those males are usually, are sometimes in places of power over their, you know, their coworkers that are female and stuff like that. So, um, it, it puts a, that pow- that the that power, that power dynamic, but in a bad, in a bad place. Absolutely. You know? Um, which has, you know, a lot of the, um, stuff from Rat Magnet, you know, those stories that I put out, a lot of it was like, again gatekeeping like 100 percent. yeah like i can't get a, a, a raise i can't you know move up here because you know seeming like because it's a because i'm just a female you know that i can't handle it or something like that
0: do you hope what, what would you like to see change to improve upon that because obviously it's it's difficult i mean you it is just such an overwhelmingly male dominated mm-hmm. industry. Um, is there something that you think could make a difference? Do you have uh, any ideas on like how the, how we change that?
1: I think people just have to keep the conversation going. You know, you know, that happened a few years ago with Rat, Mag- Rat Magnet putting all the stories yep. out there. And, um, you know, even today, the stories have died down in a sense of, like, or, like, it's not, um... It's not, the focus isn't there anymore yeah. on those stories. Exactly.
0: Like, when it first came out, everyone's paying attention right. to do it, and then, like, the 24-hour news cycle of it all, people get tired and move on. Right.
1: But the situation isn't gone
0: no 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 we yeah. saw sexism <laughs> right we just got tired of talking about sexism and yeah. we moved on to something else yeah so, so you think the the best way to deal with it is to address it
1: and yeah keep, keep, keep the, the conversation co- keep the conversation going address it don't let you know we need the help of everybody male or female you know the non-binary like of just calling things out when things are wrong right you know, and whether it's sexism or, or, you know, just other abuses in, like, the workplace and stuff like that. Sure. A, you know, we can't let things slide.
0: Right. Yeah, we can't just say, like, oh, that's just X, Y, or Z, no. or he's just like that. Right. That doesn't, that's not okay. Right. It's not.
1: And I've done it in the past myself, which, like, I re- I don't want to say I, I do regret like not calling people out, but it's like you know those times you you have in your, sh- in your head like what do I do? Do I call them out and then like a maybe a fight starts or something, or do like or do I just let it slide and like slink away and like it, just keep it to myself, you know? Yeah. And at the end of the day, it's like no, you call the person out on it and like they have to learn, and everyone else should know too what what just happened. Right. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean, I I think that that's so easy said. and But as you, you were saying, like, it, the experience of it, like, in that moment, that's such a difficult situation right. to be in. Right, Um You know, like you were saying, like, the power dynamic typically is so thrown off in those situations mm-hmm. to actually to say something in that point it's it's so hard the best way yeah we have to find a way to make sure it just doesn't happen to begin with Mm -hmm. first and foremost yeah because like to put the burden on the victim is like you know that's tough it's really tough
1: i think the like the awareness keeping keeping the awareness up and um is definitely an, an education because some people are just like ignorant to the fact that they have ingrained sex, like sexist stuff in their heads, right. you know, and it's, it's not intentional, but they were groomed or like, you know, they're raised by maybe someone that was sexist right. you know? and they don't realize and it.
0: Sometimes it's not even being raised by someone sexist. I mean, like you just, every now and then you watch like a old TV show and you right. see something and you're like, right. You're taken back. You're like, that happened, huh? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I mean, like, you know, things are different then and now. And so it's, it, you know, sometimes the person who may be the, um, what's the right word? I, I don't know. Who, who's doing the action that's, you know, making someone else uncomfortable or inappropriate, you know, they almost don't even, in some cases, I, I think they honestly don't even know they're doing it. Right. Yeah. And not that's not to say it's okay, I'm not excusing it, but sometimes it is a genuine like ignorance yeah. issue.
1: Yeah. Which then like, you know, letting them know right. is yeah. is the best thing that could happen in that situation for them and you.
0: Absolutely. Um do you think that like are you encouraged though by any progress in that front since like, you know, that all came out? It seems like, you know, yeah. overall, like, you know, you're seeing a lot more not just like the sexism thing, but like there's a lot more like minority-owned breweries that seem to be opening up. Yeah, um, you know, it, it does seem like there is a conscious effort to try and be more. Uh, yeah, there, there inclusive. definitely
1: is. Yeah, there's um, there there is definitely a more conscious effort on inclusivity in the industry. Um, I mean, it's baby steps. Yeah, of
0: course. I mean, it's not going to change overnight. <laughs> yeah. It's going to take a long long yeah. time. It's, it's
1: baby steps, but there's definitely, um, there's movement. Like, um, our friend Roger, who, um, is in the industry. He, he started a like educational program for people, of for people of color to learn how to learn the brewing and just like learn brewing and learn the brewing industry and stuff like that. And, um, Like, that's a big step right there is like providing that education for them. Right. And, and giving the encouragement of like, yeah, this, this is something you could do. do. Yeah.
0: That's great. Yeah. Um, and like, yeah, things like
1: pink boots. Like, we just had a pink boots meeting here last night where, and pink boots is great, right? With providing resources and education for women in the industry as well.
0: Yeah, just don't have more than 25 of those things. Yeah. God forbid.
1: Exactly.
0: We want that. That'd be such a bad thing to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't want to take up too much more of your time. Um, So I just want to ask you a couple kind of quick rapid fire questions. Favorite beer that you guys brew?
1: Ooh. (sighs) I think it's a little shimmy.
0: uh it's so a classic.
1: Yeah, our our hazy pale ale.
0: Yeah, American pale ale. Yeah, low, sometimes with honey, sometimes not always.
1: We the the, the standard one. Yeah, the, yeah, like our our traditional OG. Um, it's low ABV. It's only like five six. Yeah, super But still nice. has the body. Still has the flavor.
0: Classic, absolute yeah. classic. Favorite beer that you don't brew.
1: Ooh. Yeah, I was just, I was just thinking of this the other day. There's so many out there that I do love. Oh
0: my God. I mean, I mean, there's a, there's a million breweries now and there's a million great beers. Yeah. You know, there's a plenty of bad ones too, but there's a lot of great beer. Like my wife and I always check around. We're always like, God, beer is just so good now. You know what I mean? Like when we were kids, didn't have this and like we're happy for it but sometimes it's like mm, it'd be very easy to overindulge all the time
1: right well like a like i think this is in my head because we were just in vermont but a fresh vocal banger is like I had one the fantastic other night. yeah
0: and I, I had one can left from a four pack, and i got it like a like a few months ago, but I kept one mm-hmm. and I kept kind of like laying off it, laying off it. And then I had the other day and I was like, Oh yeah, <laughs> this is really good. Yeah, it's really good. It's got like such a, it's funny. It's kind of like known for being like one of the godfathers of like the modern haze craze.
1: Yeah,
0: as I'm rhyming, <laughs> but uh, it actually tastes more like a West Coast. Yeah, IPA it has to a me. little
1: bit more pininess. Yeah, that, um, I but think it it's a centennial
0: like, or whatever yeah. that's in it that really gives it that like
1: nowadays i think if you brewed it
0: for the first time i don't know if anyone would consider it like a easy per se see
1: i, I never drink it not how the can
0: <laughs> oh i mean so I, no no weird. i drink it out of the can but flavor profile it kind of has oh, more of that yeah. like piney yeah
1: it has more background. of a piney and like a little bit more bitterness to it yeah than like um, it's not just
0: like a pure like tropical fruit yeah but, but it still has those fruit oh, notes it does. for sure
1: super nice yeah
0: like, i i enjoyed it very much so um, just favorite style of beer.
1: Oh God. Right now, the second I'm loving Czech, Czech lagers.
0: Okay.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Czech pilsners
0: and pilsners and lagers are definitely making a comeback. Yeah. I think it's the seltzer thing. People are like looking for some lighter stuff. Yeah. But they don't necessarily drink seltzers. So they're like, Oh, I think they're getting a little tired of all like the high alcohol yeah. thick stuff, especially when it gets nice out like this. Yeah.
1: Nice, A nice, clean, you know, European lager is, like, a good go-to for me.
0: Very difficult to brew, too. It yeah. takes a long
1: time. It takes, so it's yeah. like
0: the craft beer doesn't tend to, um being that, like, you know, you guys, not you guys, but just in general in the industry, it it's it, the longer brew time, it's not as common.
1: Right. Yeah, people don't realize it takes so long to sit in the tanks and condition and stuff. It's yeah. like... Because it's a low ABV, light beer, they think it's just like an easy turnaround. Right, <laughs> and it's right. like No, no it's this the exact sits,
0: opposite. Yeah,
1: it in for like a month and a half in the tank and just can't do anything can't to it. Can't do anything it. About
0: yeah. it. Um, Favorite brewery that's not your brewery? You don't have to say that because obviously I don't want you to step on any toes. <laughs> but if you had like an all-time favorite place that you've... It could be from the tap room. It doesn't have to be the beer where you're just like, oh, that place was amazing.
1: Uh, you know, so
0: there's so go. many really cool there's places so now. That they're like destinations.
1: Cantillon was really cool. Oh, okay. Yeah, my um husband and I went to went to Belgium, and we got to 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 visit Cantillon. The fact that it's a museum, but it's still a functioning brewery, is like mind-boggling. Very, yeah. It's very cool. It's so cool. Yeah.
0: That's awesome. Um, What would you like to see Twin Elephant be in the future?
1: Still around. Okay. <laughs> but um, you know, I want to see us being around, out and about more in New Jersey and some from a
0: distribution standpoint. From
1: distribution, well, yeah.
0: A lot of people don't understand the distribution setup in New Jersey. Is like you know, you have to actually go through distribution. Distributor or is that still not the case? That's not the case. So, so we
1: can self-distribute. So we self-distribute in New Jersey. If you go out of state, you need a distributor. Okay. But, um, we do, we self-distribute, but we're still at a level that we don't have enough beer to, to have a wide, like, reach. And, um, we want to, like, get, you know, all over New Jersey. So right now we're just, like, more in the north. Like this area yeah. and like a little bit more southwest and stuff towards mm-hmm. Philly. But, um, you know, it'd be nice to to get all the way down to like the more southern counties and more to like the really northern counties as well.
0: Yeah. Where I am. Blame me. I would love, I mean, I like coming here, so I don't mind. And it's not that far. It's only like 40 minutes. But at the same time, when I'm like in a pinch and I could like drive five minutes and go pick up a four yeah. pack, I would not hate that either. No,
1: exactly. And it's interesting. It's always interesting to some um, because liquor stores do like hit us up and ask, like, you know, someone like, we like, someone asked for your beer. Could we get some? But it's like, oh, you're all the way down. You're like way too south. We can't like just go make a deliver one delivery there, like, right, just for like a. know (laughs) sure well what's funny is like i've
0: even seen like a few places these days where like they basically send and like i don't know if this is like a common thing but i i I, mean i imagine it certainly is not but there's a there's a place i do know of in like warwick in new york where they like legitimately just like send a guy out he just drives like all around and just like picks up cases from like everywhere. And oh, that's right. his whole job. Wow. They have like one van like just go to like to an conclave. And like he's just buying like retail. Like there's not just and then like that's just, how like, they do it. And I was like at the same time it's a great store. Yeah. But I'm like, wow, that's a that's a, that's one way of doing it, yeah. I guess. Um So just more distribution. More
1: distribution, yeah.
0: Keep the same space and everything like that?
1: Yeah, we actually we're looking um, to expand our space, hopefully, in the near future. Um, We have some space right now that's being used as brain storage.
0: Here on site.
1: Yeah. And um, there's actually uh, condos being built on the other side of our building. And so if we can have, you know... An entrance on that side as well, which is where our space is that would be fantastic, so we're working with the town right now to to see what we can do for that. Very it should cool. be really cool if we can we can get that done
0: that's awesome yeah well I wish you guys all the best of success um I love the beer um I hope you get a little more distribution even though i I, I, I always want an excuse to come here i i it wouldn't be a worse thing for me in the world um And just thank you for your time.
1: Yeah. My pleasure. Yeah, thank you.
0: Awesome.